Hello, welcome to Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-host is Bethany. Oh, hello. Um, so basically, the, <laughs> so basically, the gist of the show is that we talk about films that I love based on whatever the topic of the episode is. And in the first half of the show, I talk to my guest about whatever the topic is. So it's Christmas month on Cinemaniac Jack. So today's topic is a Christmas film that means a lot to you personally. And the movie I chose is Home Alone. But first, Bethany is going to tell us the Christmas movies that mean a lot to her personally. Oh, okay. So, I guess I'll begin with the classics that I grew up with. So, um, The Year Without a Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. That one is my favorite out of the Rankin ba- and Bass um, mm-hmm. films. That's the one with Heat Miser and Snow Miser, mm-hmm. where um, Santa gets sick and he can't deliver toys to the kids, so the kids end up bringing gifts to him. Mm-hmm. It's really cute, but it means a lot to me because it's just very nostalgic. I remember watching it like with my parents when I was, especially when I was an only child. Like I really remember those first six years of my life very vividly. It's very weird mm-hmm. because being an only child, like everything around Christmas was just centered around me. Yeah. <laughs> so. I remember my parents, my my dad used to watch these with me all the time. So that one was my favorite. Always loved it. And then um, the same goes for Santa Claus is Coming to Town with Mickey Rooney, actually, who voices Chris Kringle. That's uh-huh. the story of Chris Kringle or, like, St. Nicholas, how he came to be. Um, obviously, it's different than, like, the real story of St. Nicholas, like, the actual historical story. But it's cute. Uh-huh. It's like he he's found on the doorstep and, you know, the elves uh-huh. like raised him. It's it's cute. Um, but those really do mean a lot to me because they remind me of my childhood. Yeah. Um, and they're just like, I don't know. They're just like, they're just cute. They're different. I like the, the stop motion animation. It's very interesting to watch. Yeah. I, I think we started watching... The Year Without a Santa Claus last year, right? But then I, th- I think we didn't finish it. Really? Or maybe we did finish it. I don't remember. They're very short. I thought yeah. they were longer when I was a kid. They seemed yeah. longer. I think Rankin and Bass also did the Rudolph one. Yeah. They I was did never, all the... I was never crazy about Rudolph. I watched that one too, but the other two just stuck out to me more. I don't know if they did. They didn't do Frosty, did they? No. The snowman in Rudolph is what I'm thinking of because it's vo- he's voiced by Burl yeah. Ives. He's kind of cute. <laughs> a little yeah. snowman with like a little goatee. Yeah. Well, well, it's funny because I think, well, I think Joe, wow. Who's Joe? Joe John. John wow. was talking about how that's like the movie that he's, uh, the year, oh no, Santa Claus is Coming to Town is the movie that he's like forced to watch every year or something. And he brought up what he calls like the LSD sequence with Mrs. Claus singing or something. Do you know what? You know what no. I'm talking about? You don't remember that? With her singing, like, when yeah. she's young? Yeah, it's, like, oh. really psychedelic oh, and stuff. Oh, I liked that. I yeah. thought it was cute. <laughs> it was funny. Um, would you like me to move on? Yeah. Okay, another one is The Santa Claus. You know, that's, like, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. There are three. Did you ever watch the third one with me, with Martin Short? No, the only mm-hmm. one I to see it watch was the first you one. never watched the second one no we need to watch i know them. that martin short is in the third one because i used you to would, i used oh to see gosh. um 
commercials. I, yeah, I used to see commercials for the third one for some reason. I don't probably because I had I had I, like a tape or something that had the that yeah the coming attraction. Yeah, so, yeah, I think that might be the best one, the third one, which is a very yeah. rare case for a sequel to be better than the actual film. But that that one is very good. The mm-hmm. third one, second one is eh. so. Yeah, but yes. I love the Santa Claus. It means a lot to me personally because it's my favorite Christmas movie. So that's why. Oh, I... really? Santa Claus? Yeah. Why is that your favorite Christmas movie? I don't know. I just, it had everything that I loved in it. Like, you actually, you actually see Santa's workshop and all the elves and stuff. Like, you go there. It's a real place, you know, mm-hmm. in the movie. And when you're a kid, you actually just dream of that. So I remember watching it as a kid and being like, that's really Santa's workshop. Yeah. Like, I thought that's what it looked like. Mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't really Santa. I knew it was a movie, but still... I don't know. I really liked it. Yeah. It was comforting. Did you ever see the the Honest trailer for that movie? No, I don't think I want to. No, but it's funny because it. he, uh, the, the guy in the movie was like, this movie was the reason why a whole generation of people thought that the way you spelled Santa Claus was with an E at the end of it. And it's funny because I actually, I thought for a long time that that's how you spelled Claus with an E, like in the film. Oh. So... Yeah, it's really funny. Well, the first clause is like, the it's like fine print clause, but it's like the first clause is about him becoming Santa, so it's like you have to learn how to be Santa. The second clause is you have to find a wife, the Mrs. Clause. Mm-hmm. Third one is, um, I forget what they say it is, but it, it's, that one's a lot more twisted than, than the others <laughs> yeah. you need to see it you really need to see it. we should watch them this week cool do you, uh what are the other what's the next one you have um the next one i have is snow globe snow globe is i showed it to you right mm-hmm. about um yeah i think it was a light not lifetime movie it's not a hallmark movie i don't know what it is abc or whatever yeah. so it was like a made for tv movie mm-hmm but, um, I don't know. That one's just a comfort movie for me. Um, yeah. I don't remember how I discovered it, but again, you get to go into this magical... I always like escaping reality. You ever notice? I love Alice in Wonderland, The Wizard of Oz, yeah. and Peter Pan. I love, and like, all these all these different stories that take place in another world or something. Mm-hmm. I love or that. Get going into another world. Yeah. So, like, this one, she goes inside of the snow globe. She gets this snow globe, and she, like, falls asleep, and she ends up in the snow globe and stuff, and she meets the perfect guy, who, but he lives in the snow globe, and she's like, well, crap. But it's yeah. really, I don't know, it's cute. I just liked it because it's kind of ooey-gooey, you know? Yeah. You know, just, like, it's, it's like junk food for the soul. It's creative how they made it, like, the world be in the snow globe that she gets yeah i've never seen that premise done before it's also really pretty like the way they do it with like every and also everybody's so happy all the time and it's christmas every single day Mm -hmm. and yeah so i don't know i really like that one yeah i thought it was cute Mm -hmm. um another one oh so another one is a christmas carol um which one (laughs) the disney one the uh the The robert zemeckis one yeah i guess yeah well, yeah. So, 
I was, the reason why this one means a lot to me is because I'm an actor, obviously. I've been doing theater for 18 years. Mm -hmm. Christmas Carol was my first Christmas show I ever did. So Mm -hmm. it means a lot to me. I've done it twice. I played different roles. I played Mrs. Fezziwig the first time and the nephew's wife or whatever. And then the second time I played Belle, who was his Mm -hmm. girlfriend. That really, and I was in high school when I did Belle. And honestly, I felt very, I could feel it. Like it was really like heartbreaking, like to play that role. Um, And just, I actually got to play Christmas Future for one day too. Imagine me and I was on stilts too. It was really scary. I was actually going to joke about that. I was going to be like, were you wearing stilts? Yeah, I was. Wow, that's so funny. It was really hard. They weren't like high. They were really short. The actual yeah. person who did them, though, who was actually our um, Vince Fontaine when we did Grease, the one that we flipped over. Oh, yeah. He was on high stilts. Like, really yeah. high. But I was on, like, short ones. But, yeah. Um, that was only for one show because he couldn't do it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I always liked Christmas Carol. Um, that was the first time I ever, like, knew anything about it was when I did the show. Yeah. It's a good show. So you saw that movie at the same time that you were doing that no. show? No. What year, what year did that movie come out? 20... Oh, no. 2009, I think. So I did the show in 2008. Oh, okay. Then I did it again in 2009. I did it two years back to back. Different director, different everything. One of them was like a modern take on it, so we had like cell phones and everything. It was kind of mm-hmm. cool. And the other one was like, you know, back in the yeah. olden days. But yeah, that's why it means a lot to me because... It makes me think of um, doing it on stage. I would love to direct it. And I can't direct it at First Avenue for at least five years. Because Donna did it two years ago. Oh. But I want to do Miracle on 34th Street. That's another one I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, regarding the movie, I actually remember... I actually went to go see it when it came out. So. Oh, really? Yeah. And the effects are... I mean, well, the animation, I guess, is pretty impressive because it has, they basically, you know, kind of did the Avatar thing where they took the actors and made them actually act out while they were wearing these, like, weird suits so that they could go back and animate them into the film later. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really interesting. Um... Did you have another film? Yes. Um, so, actually, The Grinch, but with Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Another one that makes me feel nostalgic. I just... Oh, I just love it. It's just another one of those... I watch it every year, and it just is, like, comforting to me. It makes me feel like it's really Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- a lot of these are kind of like that. Did you, was that like another one that you watched when you were really young? Oh, yeah. I remember the year it came out. I don't remember if I went to go see it in the movies, but like I remember when it came out. Yeah. I've been watching it every year since then. <laughs> yeah. I kind of remember it too, although I think I, I didn't go see it when it came out, but I remember me and my family renting I don't it. I I did. And we watched it like once on VHS, I think, but then that was it. That one never really caught on with me. Yeah, I don't know. What, The Grinch? Yeah, the, oh, the, the, just, the Jim Carrey one. Yeah, I love it. I don't know. I just... I think he's so funny as The Grinch. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
Um, and there are so many memes all over the place about like, I am the Grinch. I've become <laughs> the Grinch. It's not that I hate Christmas. I hate people. I get it. Yeah. Um, another um, cheesy one that I love, which I actually watched last night while I was wrapping gifts, mm-hmm. is The Twelve Dates of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Did I ever show you that? I don't think so. It's Groundhog Day, basically. It's about this woman who keeps reliving the same day over and over again. She keeps reliving Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's it's for a reason. She's obsessed with her ex-boyfriend, Jack. <laughs> actually, <laughs> her name is Kate. Yeah. She's obsessed with her ex-boyfriend, Jack, and then she keeps... Trying to get him back, yet she realizes, like, he's engaged, or he's going to be engaged soon, and he yeah. just wants to be friends with her, and he found a new girl, and everything. And she basically learns over time to be, like, to let him go, and be like, yeah, like, you guys are good together. But also, um, she, there's this guy that her stepmom keeps trying to set her up with, and she keeps blowing him off, and mm-hmm. so it's like she's going forward with this guy, and backward with the other guy, it's really, at the same time. But it's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's really interesting. She keeps waking up. Like, the next morning. But not in bed, actually. She keeps waking up in a department store because she fainted from yeah. like, getting sprayed with perfume. It's interesting. I love that one. That's another one that's really... Uh, it makes you want to bake and decorate your house. I've never actually seen... Fun fact. I have never seen a Hallmark Christmas movie in my life. Never. It's always been mm-hmm. on my... It's always been on my agenda, too, just because I want to know what all the fuss is about mm-hmm. but um yeah i have never but this movie is probably like close to what i would imagine it to be but like there's like a lot of like baking and like i don't know it just makes you feel like it's christmas i guess yeah i've never seen a hallmark movie either i haven't i know it's but i always see like the memes but i know that them. yeah i know I know, like, the stereotypes of the... Yeah, like, the girl... Girl goes, like, CEO, successful, like, and she lives in, like, a city, and she goes home to her small town, to her parents' house for Christmas, and then she, like... Oh, and, of course, she visits, like, the town bakery that she used to work in. (laughs) Her best friend works there. Yeah. And her best friend's, like, a man-hater, but she's, like... You gotta find love sooner or later. Like, don't mm-hmm. be like me. And then she, like, goes to the Christmas tree farm with her parents and she sees her ex-lover uh, there. And then there's sparks and then they go on a carriage ride and get hot cocoa and giggle about their, you know, what went wrong with us. And then yeah. they end up together. Yeah. The end. <laughs> That's basically what I imagine it to be like. Yeah. Um. Okay, you ready to get into it now? Um, oh, I had one more, but it's okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so today we're talking about Home Alone. So, Home Alone is a comedy film released on November 16th, 1990. It was directed by Chris Columbus. The screenplay was written by John Hughes. The score was written by John Williams. It stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, and Catherine O'Hara. The film is about a family named the McAllisters living in Chicago who are getting ready to spend their Christmas vacation in Paris. The night before their trip, the McAllister's youngest son, Kevin, played by Macaulay Culkin, gets into a fight with his brother and is sent upstairs to sleep in the attic as punishment. Kevin is fed up with his family and tells his mom he wishes he didn't have a family anymore. That night, due to a storm, the family wake up late and rush to the airport, forgetting that Kevin is up in the attic. Kevin wakes up that morning and realizes his family is gone, thinking that he made his wish come true. 
Meanwhile, two criminals, Harry, played by Joe Pesci, and Marv, played by Daniel Stern, are robbing the homes in the area and have their hearts set on the McAllister home. Kevin discovers this and decides to conduct a plan to stop the bandits from robbing the house. Um, so I guess we'll start with a little bit of a history for this one. Mm -hmm. So this film came about because John Hughes had written and directed a film called Uncle Buck. Yes. And, uh, in the film, Macaulay Culkin played John Candy's nephew. And in the film, there's also a part where Culkin walks up to the front door of his house and he imagines these creepy men standing outside so I think that's kind of where the ideas started to form for this film. And I think John Hughes just knew he had something special uh, with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And he really wanted him to uh, be the star of his next Yeah, film. so I read that they wrote Kevin specifically for him. Yeah. And another thing is, is that they used his brother in the movie, mm -hmm. um, Karen Culkin, for a reason. Um, apparently because... When you work with a child, you're also working with their family, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he figured, why well, have to deal with two separate families? Let's just deal with one. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, that is funny. But I mean, it is really just kind of fascinating to. It, it's re it's really just fascinating to watch this movie now, um, just because I mean, yeah, like Macaulay Culkin, he was like he was just he. He was he was really cute and he was such a good actor and um you know John Hughes really uh made gold when he wrote this film and he had him in this part and it was such an original film for its time. Yeah. And of course, you know, after this movie came out then everybody started kind of copying it. But it was so, you know, special for what it was and yeah. Yeah, like, every time I watch this movie, I'm always just really impressed with Culkin. Oh, he's... It, he's, oh, he's, he's so good in it. He's fantastic. And he was only, like, nine years old at the time. You know? You want to know something even weirder? What? He and the kid who plays Buzz, they're only three years apart. Oh, really? Yes. That's so weird. Oh, wait, wow. Buzz, so... is, Buzz is 44, and Kevin is 41 right now. Yeah. That's so weird. They're only three years apart. He, but Buzz always just seemed so much older to me. Yeah, he was he was twelve. Yeah, I always thought he was like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. What I also wanted to say too is that I think the reason why this film kind of uh, means a lot to me personally is just because I always, whenever I watch the film, I'm always transported back to when I first. So I actually, the first time I saw this movie, I was the, the exact same age that Kevin is supposed to be. How old is he supposed to be? He's supposed to be eight. Oh. In real life, he was like, just, he was just only a year older. He was like nine, but uh, he's eight in the film and that's how old I was when I first Aww. saw it. So I could kind of. You wanted to be Kevin? Yeah, kind of. Like I could, I could project myself onto the character a, a little bit. So yeah. And of course, like me and my family just really loved it. And, you know, we watched it all the time. It was on TV, like, a lot. Well, I mean, obviously it was Christmas time, but it was on TV, like, a lot. Um, And I don't even think that, we didn't, I think that Christmas, too, we also got the DVD, because I just, I we own, all just love the movie so I much. own the DVD now. I think I actually own the second one. <laughs> yeah. I Did you buy it for me? Maybe. You might have. I don't know. I think you did. Or maybe I got it for Christmas, like, I don't know, but not too long ago. 
Yeah. I mean, it's... But it's just a, it's an interesting film, though, just because I think a, a lot of people forget about, like, when they watch it. It's like, kind of, like, like, when most people think of this movie, they think of, like, oh, you know, like Macaulay Culkin screaming into the camera or, like, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern getting, uh, like, beaten up by the traps. But it's really, like, I, I guess a film about... Um, it's kind of like a coming of age story in a way, yeah. even though he's like really young. I have that for one of the themes actually, which I'll discuss later, but okay. I agree. It kind of is um, coming of age in the yeah. sense of maturity. Yeah. I mean, it's also kind of like learning about like learning how to deal with your family. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, that sounds kind of like cynical, but like, I mean that like in the best possible way. Um, yeah. I don't know. What's your take on it? Um, on what that? Yeah, what you just said. No, I definitely agree. Um, I don't want to really touch the themes yet, but that kind of plays into it. Um, he really does have like the worst family. Yeah, we've ever. gone on and on about. He really that, does, about... and like I said, I really don't feel like the dad cares too much, <laughs> or his siblings. Like the mom definitely cares the most. Yeah. They, she's still the worst, but she's they're, still they're like, she does nutty. Care. And her haircut is really bad in the second one. Yeah. <laughs> so in the beginning of like the movie, when mm-hmm. they're all eating pizza or whatever on Christmas Eve, I yeah. wrote, I don't know who's worse, Uncle Frank or Buzz. Yeah. <laughs> and I also said somebody should call CPS. They're <laughs> abusive and there's a cop in the house. That's ballsy, like, for them to be acting that way towards a child. He's like, look what you did, you little jerk. Well, Joe Pesci is in the other room, but he's also not even really a cop. Still! I know, but they don't know that. Yeah. Like, for all they know, he could be really a cop. (laughs) Yeah. No, but it is strange, like, just, like, how, like, abusive they are towards him. Like, you don't... Like, I always see, like, his... His defines of his family to be very justifiable because i mean even though he is eight and he is a little bratty but like yeah he's eight years old yeah you know like he's not he doesn't have the maturity of everybody else in the house although even they aren't really that mature either you know yeah but i guess that's also very normal too of like siblings just like hating each other and just kind of like uh complaining about one another uncle frank sucks though like buzz i get it he's a kid still and he's his sibling so they like have animosity towards each other yeah but uncle frank man that guy's an asshole every time i that part comes up where he's like look what you did you little jerk i want to fucking punch him in the face (laughs) yeah definitely and then um i also wrote the interior decorator needs to be fired. Their house is ugly. Well, it was the late 80s. What do you expect? Yeah. But, like, the red floors with the floral striped wallpaper. It's so terrible. What's There's, like, a certain... Pa- like, there's a pattern that they have in the parents' bedroom that's really ugly. I don't remember what it is, though. But it's, like... It's like that fruit thing, like yeah, the fruit yeah, basket yeah, yeah. thing, maybe. I don't know. It just drives me crazy. Like, why would you think that that's a good look? The fruit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so ugly. Like, why would you want fruit on your walls? 
Yeah. Look at. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, besides the family, as far as characters go, can we talk about the villains of these films? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Marvin Harry. Yeah. I think that they are hysterical and scary at the same time. Like, if you're a kid, obviously you'd be scared because they're actually, they're they're outright like, I'm going to kill you, kid. Like, they really want to yeah. murder him, which is scary, but they're so funny because they're they're both bumbling idiots, especially yeah. uh, Marv. <laughs> yeah. And I said, um, the scene, the scene where Marv and Harry are beat up is great in this movie, in the first one. But mm-hmm. in my opinion, I don't think it's as great as the one in the second movie. Well, yeah, the <laughs> second one is uh, the best when it comes to the traps. Um, but yeah, I love. Yeah, I mean, I I love um, Joe Pesci and. Daniel Stern in this movie. Yeah. And what was interesting was that for a while, they didn't, they weren't, Daniel Stern wasn't supposed to play Marv. Somebody else was supposed to play They're like 10 years apart. Or, yeah, I I figure maybe there was like an age gap. I didn't think so. But, um, also, I said, uh, Marv gets it a lot worse than Harry does. (laughs) And it's funny because. Because he's the lesser of the evil. Yeah, he's the lesser of the evil. Yeah. Um one one thing that I I actually found interesting about this one and I think it's just cuz over the years I've 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 watched the second one more than I've watched the, the first one. And the thing that I that that kind of that I found interesting about it was how like the like particularly with the the wet bandit characters. Uh-huh. They they seem a little bit more like real people in this one like in the yeah. first movie whereas like in the second one they seem a lot more like caricature like i know that they're kind of supposed to be characters and caricatures in this as well but yeah they seem more grounded in reality whereas in the second one they 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 up the well obviously because in the second one they up the the cartoonish uh nature of it all um but yeah in this one they seem more Kind of like real people, kind of, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, it does. Um, I don't know. I think they're great. They're wonderfully written bad guys. They're yeah. they're so funny. Um, I love the video that we watch where the person actually sits down and says how many, you know, with each blow that they get... Yeah. Oh, he would have a broken nose. He would be, you know, and then they calculate how many, you know, times it would take for them to actually die. So yeah. funny. Um. Another. Well, I was just gonna say that must have that was like a that must have been another like. That was another unique thing about the film too at the time, which is like the, the, uh, the climax of the film of the two villains getting uh like running into those traps that he sets up in the house yeah uh because i know like because we take it for granted now like because everybody knows how the movies end but at the time it's like the the audience didn't know that so they must have been going nuts when they first saw all of that when they know? first saw what the like the end scene with uh the wet bandits getting hurt in the house Oh, yeah, um, 
So the first time I ever saw Home Alone was I saw that scene in particular. It was on TV. And um, I thought it was hysterical. And that's what made me want to watch it. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Um, but I also just love... Daniel Stern has, like, the best reactions out of... Uh, has the best reactions when he gets yeah. her in the traps, just like his like shrieks and stuff. Cause we, well, we also, cause we watched both of them back to back this week. We watched yeah. the first one and then we watched the second one, but I always just, I go crazy whenever he, um, like the scene where in the second one where, um, the pigeon lady throws all the, um, the seeds on them and then the birds start, um, like attacking, like, like attacking them, and uh, Marv just uh, lets out this like high pitched shriek. Yeah, it's so funny. Oh, every time that something happens to them, though, which one is it where they get hit with the bricks? That's the second one, right? Yeah, that's the second but, like, one. Like every time something happens to them, I always like feel it. I'm like, oh, because the way that the angles of the camera is too, like you, they zoom in on Marv's face, yeah, and then all of a sudden it's just like boom, hit with a brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were some fun facts about the movie that I wanted to share, actually. Mm-hmm. So the house that it takes place in, you know, like the the famous Home Alone house. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that also the house that was used in Father of the Bride? Or not Father of the Bride. Um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, I yeah. Think. I, could, um, I mean, I could be wrong, but they look exactly alike. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But anyway, that's actually a tourist attraction now. Oh, you can really? actually, Nobody actually lives no, there No, you anymore? can go inside of it and take tours and whatnot, which I found interesting. Yeah. Um, another fun fact is um, Home Alone was a Guinness World Record holder for more than 25 years. 27 to be exact. Um, it earned a Guinness World Record as the highest grossing live action comedy ever domestically. Um, it held on to that title for quite some time until the Chinese blockbuster Never Say Die knocked it out of its top spot in 2017. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah. Well, I mean, this movie, I'm pretty sure, was the highest grossing film of 1990. Well, yeah, for I 20... Think. For- 27 years it was. Yeah. Um, apparently in Poland, they are very obsessed with Home Alone, and every year it's like a tradition to watch it huh. in their culture. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Robert De Niro turned down the role of Harry Lime in Harry Lime in Home Alone. Wow. <laughs> I could see him doing it, but. Yeah, I could see that. Um,. Joe Pesci got all method on Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Ooh. Oh yeah, because he, um, he bit. You know the scene where he, um, where they catch him finally in the house, and he's like, "At first, I'm gonna bite off these fingers one by one." He actually bit one yeah. of Culkin's fingers, and then it left a scar there. He still has. And he it. still has that scar. Yeah. Wow. He wanted him to actually be afraid of him. That stinks, Aww. I know. It's sad. Yeah. Aw. Apparently, Daniel Stern had a four-letter word slip-up on the Home Alone set. 
Um, and it was not cut out of the film. He utters the oh, word really? shit oh, when yeah. attempting to retrieve his shoe through the doggy door. Look for it at the five, 55 minutes, 27 seconds mark on the DVD. Oh, my gosh. No, I love that part of the film, actually. And this one says, in real life, Harry and Marv may not have survived Kevin's brutal attack in Home Alone. No, duh. Uh, well, they would have the- just died if during, like... Any one of those ones would have just killed them instantly. Yeah. Ugh. The tarantula on Stern's face. Yep, that was real. Ugh. Well, yeah, I didn't doubt that. So gross. You couldn't pay me. I'm sorry. It was indeed a real spider. Daniel Stern agreed to let it happen, but he'd only allow for one take. Um, what wasn't what wasn't real? That blood curdling scream. In order to not frighten the spider, Stern had to mime the scream and have the sound dubbed in later. Aww. Aww. That's funny. That's kind of like sad, but cute. He didn't want to scare it. Yeah. That's funny. But I love that scene, too. What, with the tarantula? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Angels with even filthier souls. So the movie, that was made for... Well, yeah, Hello. I knew that that wasn't it's a funny. real film. I know, I just find it funny. Marv yeah. was supposed to have gotten a spinoff. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's really funny. The storyline would have been, after giving up a life of crime, Marv would have been framed for the same murder as in Bushwhacked? I don't know. Mm. Some movie. That would have been really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I like those fun facts. It's It's always fun to... See what you don't miss. What did we say? Um, or I mean, see what you do miss. What did we say was a Mandela effect while we were watching it? Oh, um, when they're when they play uh, "Please Come Home for Christmas." Yes. Yeah. With we, we, I always thought that they played the Eagles yeah, version of that part. Yeah, me too. This is another one of those movies too. Like whenever, like I hear certain songs i always think of like certain scenes from this movie especially whenever i hear whenever i hear rocking around the christmas tree the brenda lee version i always think of that scene in the movie when the wet bandits drive up to the house and uh kevin has like all those like he makes it look like there's people in the house yeah i always think of that scene um now what what is what do you think or why do you think that this film has made such an impact like rather than other films i mean there are a ton of films that have made large impacts but like why has this one in particular do you think touched people uh i mean first of all it's just a really funny film i mean john hughes was a really good writer too i mean like I love the Home Alone movies, and of course, I one of my favorite movies of all time is Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was just a great uh, comedic writer, and it was just kind of, I think when this movie was just kind of like lightning in a bottle, like everything just kind of like uh, formed into place, like just like Macaulay Culkin, just being Macaulay Culkin, uh, and just being so like talented at such a young age and doing that part but then also yeah just like the comedy of um just writing really memorable characters like 
with Kevin, but also yeah. with the Wet Bandits as well. Yeah, the There's characters. Some of the, yeah, one of the most like yeah. funny, like the funniest characters of all time and some of the most memorable characters of all time did you know there's a picture book yeah we always see it yeah now Barnes in Barnes and Noble. And Noble. well they it's funny because they have they have picture books for the first one but they also have a picture book for the second one as well mm-hmm. yeah yeah they're cool books yeah they're cute we should get them yeah i actually now that i think about it there is something about it that does scream like picture book you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this, like the premise. It's kind of like it's, Elf. It's Elf is too. Yeah. Which I actually think they made a picture book for that movie yeah. too as well. Yeah. Um. Did you want to talk about like the themes now and stuff? Yeah. So some of the themes are um, responsibility. Mm-hmm. This goes for Kevin learning to be responsible on his own, but also the f- parents' lack of responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's kind of like very Raul Dahl-esque. Or you know how in every Raul Dahl book and film, it's like the be- the villains are always the adults and children yeah. are always the heroes. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that where Kevin is the responsible one. You know, the roles are reversed. And the adults are the irresponsible ones. And I think it kind of um, teaches a lesson of, like, even adults mess up and don't underestimate children mm-hmm. and their intelligence. So, yeah. yeah, I find that kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I wanted to say, too, before you move on, what kind of occurred to me was, like, I guess, like, the, the, the lesson that Kevin learns is that, like, you need to kind of be more uh, self-sufficient. And be more responsible for himself. But also, like, the... Again, like, the parents learn... Because they are very, like, neglectful. It's not like they're, like... Kevin's the only one that's in the wrong. It's like the parents are definitely in the wrong, too. Because they're really neglectful. And you get... That sounds... Even from, like, the beginning that they're not very, like... They're not completely aware of what's going on. I mean, I mean, I guess because, you know, they're distracted. Because they're trying to get ready for their trip and all that stuff. Yeah. But, like... I don't know. Like, there's definitely a blind side there. And I think the... It's mainly the mom that learns to kind of, um... Be more, um... There for her son. Yeah. At the end. Um... Courage is another one. Mm. Kevin. Kevin's very brave. Being on his own. But also he learns to face his... Fear of speaking to the old man with a shovel. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't judge a book by its cover. Which is kind yeah. of in the second movie, too, with the bird lady. Yeah. Um, um, but he's also being brave against, you know, Marvin Harry. Um, abandonment is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like when you have, like, when you have parents that are absent, um... I mean, even though his parents, it's his parents, we see them absent for, you know, every Christmas, I guess, when they leave him home alone or, you know, leave him somewhere else um, since it's New York in the second one. But it's like he basically has to raise himself. But we don't we don't know if that's the case, you know, outside of the movie. Like, we don't know. Um, We're only seeing a fragment. But he kind of has to raise himself. So maturity is also one that I would call a theme there. 
He's a very mature kid. That's yeah. why it's funny when they come home and they're like, oh, we're out of milk. He's like, oh, I got milk and eggs or bread or whatever and fabric softener. And they're just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's like he it's like he grows up at eight years old. Yeah. It's really weird. You know? It's interesting. It's like, yeah, like, we learn, like, we know, like, oh, kids have to, like, grow up. But it's like, you don't really have to grow up that fast at that age. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, it's interesting to see him kind of go from being very kind of, um... He's not insecure, but he's very kind of, I guess, like, unsure of himself. I guess. You know? I don't know. I think for a kid, he's pretty sure of himself. Well, I mean, he's, like, he has these, like, fears throughout the film. Like, like going down in the, like, the, what is it? The basement the, the with fur- the furnace. The furnace. Like, he's, he has, like, that fear of the furnace. Uh, and he, um, but then eventually, like, it's that funny part in the film where he tells it to shut up. Finally. The first, uh... In, in the beginning of the film, he just runs away from it, which also was kind of very relatable for me because, like, when you're a kid, you're scared of stuff like that. Like, you're scared of, like, the basement and... Yeah, yes. Uh, you know. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, another one is family because even though his family really sucks, um, <laughs> you still are supposed... In the end, he's still supposed to, uh... You know, love his family, and mm-hmm. they're supposed. To, you know, it's it's kind of like family's always going to be there for each other in the end, which is not always the case. I completely do not believe in that. I believe there is, you know, toxicity. Yeah. So. Well, his family is definitely toxic. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. They're so mean to him, um, and. The last one I have is criminality, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, doing illegal things and, you know, that kind of speaks for itself, I guess. Um, well, it's, like, it's funny because, like, even the Wet Bandits themselves kind of seem like a, like a yin to Kevin's yang in a way, I guess. Because, mm-hmm. like, they're just, they're kind of almost kind of like children themselves. In a weird way. Mm-hmm. But it's like they're act- the actual adults. And Kevin's the actual child. No, but yeah, it's a really... It's a great film. I watch it every year around this time. It always brings me back to when I was the same age, when I was eight years old. Yeah. And I was watching it for the first time. I just remember thinking it was just like the funniest thing ever. Really, like, all this stuff, like, the stuff that really, my favorite parts of the movie were, like, with, um, the Angels with Filthy Souls scenes, when he was just, like, when he's just, like, fucking with whoever's trying to, like, uh, get into the house. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, such memorable dialogue at that part. Yeah, oh, yeah, Definitely. The Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Love that. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on it? I just think it's a classic. It's very entertaining. Um, It's something that will be entertaining for generations on. 
Um, although there are some things that are a little bit dated, there's nothing really that's too dated, like in a bad way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Hmm. And uh, I still haven't seen the newer one that's come out, but I'm not sure if I re- I I want to see it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think know. I do out of curiosity. John wants. John said the same thing. He said he wants to watch it just out of curiosity. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But everybody's, almost everybody's been panning it, so that can't be a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But again, like like you were saying, like it's like it's timeless. But I do think that it is also kind of a film of its time as well. Like it just can't. Uh, yeah. Again, like it was just it was lightning in a bottle, and you can't like replicate what it did all those years ago. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't know. No, I agree. There are like what are there five now, technically in total. There's like six, I think. Like, the two with Macaulay Culkin, and there was a third one. Yeah, I saw the third and the fourth. Yeah. And then I think that there was, like, a fifth one, too. But I don't remember what that one was called. And then they came out with this one recently. Uh, well, this has been Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-host was Bethany. Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. Uh, see you next time.